Hello and welcome to episode 44 of Blokeology, evidence-based health, fitness and lifestyle. I'm Dr Ewan Lawson and in this episode I'm chatting to John Richmond. John's a fellow doctor and GP, lives locally and we meet up regularly um, and we're going to be running the same uh, running race in a few weeks time so we thought it was a great chance to sit down and just talk about how we build up for running events now whether you're doing a shorter one a 5k a 10k half marathon or whatever it is it's just a bit of a chance to eavesdrop on our conversation and it's all very relaxed uh, and talk about how we get ready for events um, so a little bit more about that in a second. Thank you for all your support of the podcast. Um, if you've enjoyed it, do tell people. Uh, I'm taking the highly unusual step, possibly incredibly stupid one, of deleting all my own social media accounts, which um not stupid in the sense of health and lifestyle, because I do think, um, for me, it's definitely... Um, going to be a benefit and it gives me a chance to concentrate on other things and be a little bit more focused it perhaps when it comes to having a podcast is not the um uh, the standard way of going about things but i'm a little bit about uncom- a little bit uncomfortable about being one of those people that is broadcast about episodes on social media and for me it's not what it's about um certainly if you want to you know that certainly doesn't stop you from telling other people and of course use your own social media to tell people as necessary but i think if i'm just there broadcasting and not engaging that's not a great way to use social media in any case so um, i'm certainly not giving up on the digital side of life i've still got the website blokeology website i've still got the podcast and there's a newsletter as well um, as usual you can sign up for the newsletter at um blokeology.io forward slash journal and uh I'm very grateful for all your support. Thank you. So uh, I apologize for just being a few hours late on the podcast this week. It shows that um, usually I record this little intro on the day before the podcast goes out, although the interviews and other things are recorded a good bit in advance. Um, But in an episode of not the most brilliant planning, I actually had forgotten I was going to the dentist. (laughs) Uh, yesterday as it is when I record this and I wasn't actually capable of speaking uh, yesterday evening uh, in order to record this segment so I've had to wait until today and so it's going out just at exactly the day it's being released normally the podcast is out first thing in the morning on a Friday um, so this is a few hours late um, and my apologies for that okay so let's get into the chat with John a uh, couple of things to say that we do range across some different areas and we end up talking about swimming in triathlons quite a lot near the start. Uh, and there's a little bit of swearing in places, mostly from me, of course. I think, in fact, all from me is pretty minor, but it is there if you are listening with anyone else around who you wouldn't want to hear that. So let's get cracking. So I thought we would talk today about running races, and it's something that's been mentioned in the past on lots of episodes of the podcast, and I'm not super keen on running races, but I am doing a couple this year, and we're actually both doing one, the same event, so we purposefully, I have picked the event because you're doing it as well, so we're going to go and make it a bit more of a social thing, and so we're running the um, Lakeland Trail Race, Cartmel 18K, and for those who don't know, Cartmel is probably most famous for its sticky toffee pudding. Um, in fact, do we, is this the race where we get a little sticky toffee pudding at the end? So someone else mentioned this as well. I, I haven't seen that written down anywhere, but 
Maybe it's just something to keep in your mind anyway. <laughs> Incredibly sugary, fatty treat at the end. Um, I think we do. So it's an 18-kilometer trail race. Um, so there's a little bit of up and down. We'll talk a bit more about the detail. But first of all, I just want to talk, because you're a bit more keen on doing events than I am. Talk about why do you like doing events? What sort of motivates you to get out and do things? And not just running, maybe cycling as well. Yeah, so I don't do a lot of events, but I like to... Um, use them as an excuse for doing training. Yeah. So without an event to um, aim for, I'm quite disorganized in my training and, you know, I'll go out and run for half an hour without any great purpose. Whereas if I pick an event, I can pick a training plan and then I just don't have to think anything further than that. I just look at the diary and see what I'm doing today. Yeah. So typically, how far in advance would you plan an event then? Are you like, you're thinking, do you plan the whole year in advance or is it a bit more? I mean, because obviously, if you're doing a training program or do you do a few spur of the moment ones or is it more just a few months? Uh, I don't plan a year in advance and it is just based on people saying, do you fancy doing this? And I'll go, oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> or, yeah. And, and that's either this one is particular, this one's a work thing. So somebody at work has, said we should do these and one was done when I was away last year and this is the second one in the series and so yeah definitely going to do that and other ones uh, tend to be Jackie my wife she'll say um, these last couple of years she'll she'll pick out cycling events because she's quite into cycling now so um, yeah but and then I pick the event and then try and uh, fit the training in around that those dates yeah, in response to that. So I don't have a, I don't sit down and go, right, I'm going to do four events this year and do three lots of training for those. It's not, it's not like that. It's more, so it's more social than yeah. that. And yet I'm still using it as a way of motivation for getting me up in the morning. I think that social thing is perhaps the bit that I just think is incredibly valuable about doing events. It's the, it's so you don't end up, you know, because I guess when I've done events in the past, they haven't always been social. I've just turned up and done them myself. And actually, I haven't even necessarily had family there or anyone else clapping me over the line. Not that I necessarily need that kind of my head patting to go out and <laughs> to do it. But um, it's the social element I've missed. And that's obviously something that you bake into it. Have I ever done an event on my own? I don't think I have. Yeah. Yeah. I think I've at least done it with one other person. Um, and because I mean, I go, and I suppose it's all about the level you're aiming at, isn't it? As well, because if you were doing, and you're not doing like super like long events, like you know Ironman distance or half Ironman or something, you know, like it's going to take six, seven, eight, sixteen hours. Because I think if you're doing those sort of events, you, d you don't necessarily need to listen to this episode of the podcast because I think it's more aimed. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> I think it's more aimed at people who are thinking about doing events or just kind of you know more in that middle ground. Well, the whole. The whole podcast is not aimed at that kind of group of people necessarily, but the, you've got you've got to have a, you've got to have a much more structured plan then I think in periodization and your training and all sorts of stuff that goes yeah. with it. So one one year I did that. So I did um, I did, I, I did well. I did a couple of years where I did the Salford Triathlon, uh, which was Olympic distance. And the first year I kind of had a bit of a go, and the next year I, I planned out my whole year's training following. Is it Friel, Joe Friel or oh, yeah, something yeah, like yeah. that? Yeah, followed his book and he's got like a, a a thing in the back. So, you know, I did all that and yeah, I got a really good time, but um, not a really good time for me, mm -hmm. which I can no longer remember. So I can't share that with you, but it was really great. You know? <laughs> yeah, it was, it was absolutely <laughs> bloody awesome. It was like 20, 20 minutes faster than the previous year, yeah, which yeah. I thought was, you know, right, for putting the effort in. 
that was good. And, um, but it takes a lot of time. And, you know, mm. I, I think the most I could do would be an Olympic distance triathlon, which is about, you could do it on about seven or eight hours of treat, concentrated training a week. Um, but I, I couldn't do more than that. And I, and I don't want to commit that much time to my training now. So, yeah. you know, I'm doing, yeah, I'm doing maybe five or six tops. So I think that's a really ambitious amount of training for an Olympic program. How, how long is an Olympic triathlon roughly? Is it like what, two, three hours? Yeah, two and a half hours, something like that. Yeah, that's a lot of training, I think. I can, I almost think my rule of thumb is, I'm not sure if this works. I'd love to think it through. In, in terms of the number of week, hours of training you do per week will just about get you through that length of event fairly comfortably, if you see what I mean. So if you did it, you, you weren't, you're not necessarily going to set the world ablaze in terms of your time for your, in terms of your own personal ambitions and mm. expectations but if you did two or three hours of training a week you'd get around an olympic distance triathlon no difficulty yeah around it yeah so yeah doing the extra training was all about getting around in a relatively quick time for you yeah 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 so but yeah yeah gosh gosh well i'm not surprised if you're doing seven or eight hours you must have smashed it yeah yeah i know what you meant <laughs> you'd have absolutely you'd have caned it. it i was i was pleased with it and as i said I it was quite a long time ago now so i know i couldn't do it again so yeah so as an aside i must ask you what the hell is it like swimming in salford keys because i always look at them and think they look grim it was all right yeah it was cold it was about 14 degrees on the day yeah and um yeah so it was it was quite cold but it wasn't filthy i've been in worse <laughs> well not going there <laughs> so i've been there I'm, i can't remember what it was i think it was a triathlon i think it was tatton park triathlon and it's a sort of a lake and it's not that it's dirty but for quite a lot of it you're sort of swimming through these fronds of quite mm. uh you know skin crawlingly slimy yeah <laughs> uh fronds of you know um, yeah yeah it's not seaweed it's not seaweed yes, it? i've got a vegetation vegetative matter yeah. Uh, yeah I, well my, i haven't done any the, when i have done open water swims they've been in crystal clear lakes and cold as yeah. cold as assholes yeah, yeah, as really well <laughs> <laughs> the um but um the, as you know the um my wife's the open water swimmer in the family yeah. I've, I've decided that i've just let her get on with it and i will i will i will i will step back and give her the limelight when it comes to swimming in freezing waters in various places the first open water in fact he was worse worse still the first open water swim i did was when the sprint triathlon at Cochrane, mm-hmm. and um it's in some sort of like cow field so like the, <laughs> the water is <laughs> filthy and uh but it, you know, not dangerous but cer- certainly mucky and uh but it was just so cold i mean it was only like 350 meters so it was a short distance but i literally couldn't get my head underneath the water the whole way just because as soon as I did, I was just gasping. Yeah. Oh, I've, I'm not sure if I've ever told you my near drowning experience on the, the Windermere Great North Swim, which was I had went to do, and I'd only just got back into swimming. I got into swimming and worked out how to do it, and I couldn't get my head in the water at any point all the way around that. And I had, so I ended up doing this horrific breaststroke where I just bobbed up and down. And it took me about, because I'm making almost no forward progress. And it took me about 50 minutes in the end, which isn't like horrific, but it, it was the longest 50 minutes of my life. And then there was no point in it where I thought I would make it <laughs> there was, apart from the last 50 yards. And the last 50 yards, I was like, oh my goodness, I'm actually going to finish because I really was in, at no point certain of it, any, any leading up to it. 
And the only other one I've done, I've done a couple of others. I did, I did the Alpe d'Huez triathlon a few years ago, and that was really cold, the short one. And I did a triathlon called the Snowman Triathlon, which should have been a clue, really, in the name that it was going to be cold. <laughs> <laughs> but it was based in Snowdonia, so I was like, well, it's probably the Snowdonia bit. That was really, I'm not sure what the water was then. I think it might have been, I want to say 14, but it might have been 12 or 13. I remember it being painful. Um, yeah. It was mercifully short. It was only about 20 minutes of me flailing around. Yeah, that's what this one was like. And I didn't have a wetsuit for that, for that one because it wasn't worth it because it was short. But yeah. the, I've done the, I've done the Windermere in a wetsuit and it was a beautiful sunny day when I did it. So it was, it was okay. I feel I've got unfinished business with the Great North Swim actually that I should go back and at least try and swim it rather than just bob up yeah. and down and get carried along <laughs> in the wake of people going past me, which I think was mostly what I did. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, back to the running. So in terms of, yeah. so I'm going to do an event this year. So I, I didn't do any events last year. I did one the year before that, which was a great big long fell run, which was extraordinarily unpleasant in the end. Um, and so we've got the Cartmel 18K. So, I mean, why did you, why did you, you've obviously got someone at work who's doing that one. Why particularly that distance? Okay. So there's a choice, isn't there? So there was 10K mm -hmm. and I thought, um, well, 10K I can run quite quickly. So that would be really uncomfortable because I'll feel that I've got to. <laughs> feel that i've got to do it and i thought you know a trail run yeah 18k doesn't sound too bad but then the more that i've after entering it and the more i thought about it i thought oh it could be really horrible weather and you know quite a trial so maybe i should have picked the 10k but anyway it's done now yeah we're in we're in that's it we're just gonna have to go for it so it's march time trail the thing about i mean obviously i do all my running on trails you don't do so much on trails do you it's more more roads yeah I so I, yeah yeah, I, I, I used again. I used to do all my training off road, and uh, you know, thinking that's much better for your knees and your ankles and all that kind of thing. And um, and the, the when I stopped doing it was when there was their foot and mouth, so you couldn't get on them, couldn't get on the fields. <laughs> Bloody hell, John! That was eighteen years <laughs> ago. <laughs> I know. I just haven't gone back to it. And it was two thousand and one. Until this week. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so you've let it lie for a little bit. You've certainly given yourself a kind of, I'm not sure that quite counts as, um, you know, tapering 18 years. No, and it, it, it's because it's, you know, it, if you're doing it, it's okay. But, you know, when I go out here, it's, I'm, you know, up to my knee in mud sometimes. And yeah. it's cold. It's really cold. <laughs> Uh, well, I've, I've got the advantage of fells compared to you, so it's not just running sort of across fields and relatively. Fields, yeah. Um, so the hills really make a difference, and you get you always get the bonus of walking up them, so you don't have to keep on running. You can stop and walk along a little bit. So, um, in terms of so preparation training wise, anything anything you've done particularly different for eighteen k? We're looking at probably a couple of hours of running, aren't we? Realistically. Yeah. So I'm I'm completely unprepared because I I um. I had I'd had a week of skiing in January, and so I trained up to that. And in my mind, I thought, yeah, and I'll do the running. I'll start the running training after that. So finished the skiing, and then had a look at my running training plan and realised, well, actually, I've only got like six weeks. Yeah, and I haven't and I hadn't done any running for months. So I've done a modified running plan, which has been dogged by uh, a painful knee. Mm. So. <laughs> So, so what's in, yeah. in that modified plan, or even in the ideal world of what you're doing, what's for a two-hour event? What's the longest run you're going to do beforehand? Uh, the longest run I've done so far is an hour. Mm -hmm. uh, no, no, an hour and a quarter actually. But um, but I should be doing. I feel 
And on my training plan, I should be doing two hours. Yeah. So, I, think, I, I, I just of, I haven't been able to get up to that because of injury. So Yeah. I sort of think for people often get a bit worried about this, don't they, with any kind of training plan, whether it's 5K, 10K, <laughs> half marathon, what have you, marathon. But it'd be quite rare in most of those to actually, depending on what you're aiming at, whatever your level, most of the time you wouldn't necessarily run the distance. In, you wouldn't run the distance in training. You might only run maybe, say, like, and I've never looked at this scientifically, but maybe three quarters. Yeah, that's what I think. Yeah, it would be kind that, of... That's certainly, yeah. That's certainly all my training's been like that. And so so it's interspersed with the distance of three quarters and then interspersed with sort of um, high-intensity, shorter bursts. Yeah. You know, some sprinting. Yeah, well, obviously, we've talked about high-intensity intervals in the past with Michelle mm. Swainson on the podcast, and there doesn't seem much doubt about the performance gains that you get mm-hmm. with those. Um so that yeah, that sounds very sensible. I mean, I might even argue you don't need to do three quarters. You know, sometimes you know you could get away with fifty percent for almost most of these events, but two thirds would probably do you do you nicely as well. Um, yeah. And then it's obviously going to be a different approach when it comes to much longer like ultras and things like that. I, don't, I think that's kind of slightly different mentality. Then we won't go there too much. <laughs> I remember I met this bloke. I, was, I must have been about twenty-two, and it, he was going to be doing, and it was yeah, nobody in knew particularly but just he'd come round to this flat that I was staying in and he was going to be doing and it was in London and he was going to do the London Marathon the next day so that's why he was staying and he'd done no training <laughs> <laughs> and he was you know tw- in his 20s as well early 20s as well and he just had some toast and off he went <laughs> <laughs> so and he got round it yeah I sort of think as well that you could it's easy to put it's, it's easy to get all these sort of training programs and you must do this or Actually, there's, we've all heard the, a lot of stories of people who just uh, done it, you know, done it to myself to some extent. You just turn up on the day and you get around and you, yeah, you're probably going to, you're going to hurt a little bit on the longer events towards the end and you might have to walk yeah. a bit and you'll almost certainly get there. It's actually quite unusual for people to stop moving and not be able to continue unless they get some injury or other thing. It's usually just a time question more than anything. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think, I think that the reason that you, and it, We've probably talked about this before as well. The reason that you tend to not complete is because you go off too quick. Yeah. Yeah. So I think we'll maybe get onto that in a moment about race day strategy. Mm. <laughs> about how you're going to go with that. Well, in terms of um uh in terms of pre-preparation, anything else? So that's kind of like getting ready in terms of the running. Have you so I I should say that I have done um I just done my usual amount of running actually. I haven't been out and done any particular long runs, but then my kind of standard run is often an hour hour and 20 minutes across the fouls mm-hmm. um and i'll probably get out do, um three or four times a week but it's been a bit varied because i did this um i you know as you know i tend to count it on hours per week i don't really do distance so i try and do four to five hours a week including a bit of strength training including a bit of cycling but i don't know if i told you i did the tour de Safalandria like two weeks ago which is the so suffer so basically for those that know a turbo is just you know um when you put your bike on a stationary trainer and you sit in your house when the weather's terrible and just stare at a computer screen and cycle your bicycle which sounds like horrific and i always thought they were instruments of torture but i have found them quite useful over the winter months to get quite fit and there's one called the suffer fest and uh, they're okay. basically you know, so they're, they're just videos of people cycling and they get you to do intervals and all sorts of stuff and there's a little storyline and music and I found them quite good to carry on. And they had something called the Tour of Safalandria, which involved nine days of going on the turbo every day, um, sometimes twice a day, (laughs) 
which, yeah, which awful. yeah, I know it was horrific. And I, but I completed it for the first time ever, and it was so. It was like I have gone cross training crazy. I've just, I just done, I've done an insane number of hours of training. So I thought for a minute we might have the competition of who's done the least training kind of discussion before a running event, which lots of people will have. But actually, I've done an insane amount of training. I like the last two or three weeks, I've done more than I've done in years in yeah. terms of hours. But it's all been, it hasn't been that much running. Um, I've started. Yeah, well, I've been, I, so my other complicating factor is I'm doing the Caledonian Etap in yeah. May. So I've been building up my cycle training with that again on a turbo trainer. Yeah. Using, using Zwift. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I kind of, Swift's another one. It looks quite good, but I haven't got my trainers not smart enough to use Swift, I don't think. So mm. I have to rely on the SuffFS one. But I do think that that kind of, though that isn't running, oh God, good, you know, the cardiovascular fitness, the leg strength you get, it's always done wonders for my running. So I'm kind of quietly hopeful that I've put a lot of hours in without mm. actually the attrition of running and the kind of the sore knees and all the rest of it. However, mm. so that, I think that cross training thing, whatever event you're doing is going to be, is massively useful, isn't it? Got to be. Well, let's hope so. Hope so. I did about 11 hours <laughs> one week. I was about, I was up about 10, 11 hours, which is, yeah, I've never done anything like it. <laughs> um, so the other thing then is about logistics for the event and getting there. Any particular top tips you've got for prepping for an event, you know, in terms of the actual getting there or being ready? Get there early enough to register and if you need a wee. I think, that, I, I mean, I don't think there's any secrets here. Is it? You just got to read the joining instructions. Yeah, read the event instructions quite carefully, and I haven't actually read the hours yet. Um, No, I haven't. I don't. The link wasn't working for some reason. So, but read the instructions carefully. And the only thing to watch, particularly for off-road and trail ones, and I'm not sure what the situation is with this one, is that sometimes they have mandatory kit requirements, which is often not the case for um, road running or anything else, obviously. But um, clearly, is the I suppose the other thing is just like safety pins. (laughs) Never always remember safety pins, so you can. Um, stick your number on yourself. Yeah, yeah. I, I do actually have a list, a race, race preparation list. Check you out. That's really I'll super. That. That's super organised. So, which is things like um, I've got it for both that and cycling. So, I've got you know, take your British cycling card. Yeah. Take your, take your safety pins. So, I, think, I used to have a race belt which I really liked, but I've lost it. I've got a triathlon race belt. Pins. Yeah. Yeah. Which is right, um, very good. Yeah, quite handy. It's particularly useful in triathlon because you're jumping from bike to running. Yeah. And you can sort of spin it around. But I was thinking of just using it for running. And the other thing with, with this with this run, because it's likely to be raining, you're going to be wearing a raincoat, so you won't you won't want to be sticking your pins through that. No, no, that's right. Yeah, good point. A lot of people you see them on these longer races. They put them on their legs, don't they? Well, their yeah. shorts, I should say, rather than the legs. They're that yeah. hard, fell runners. They just put it straight into the legs, the safety pins. <laughs> <laughs> That's super tough. <laughs> they jam them in. But if you've got longer shorts or trousers on, then you could put them onto those. I've seen that done quite yeah. a lot. Um, so I suppose the only thing in terms of personal preparation is, as you say, you know, don't eat complete guff the night before. <laughs> uh, the night before I did the tr- Coniston Trail Marathon, actually, I had a curry. Takeaway curry. Mm. Terrible idea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> regret, yeah, regret that's it. good. Yeah, <laughs> I learned my lesson there. Um, <laughs> the hobby, but otherwise, and being hydrated in the morning, you got a plan. I think it depends on the start because sometimes you have a stupid early start. So, working out what you can eat first thing in the morning, what's going to go yeah. down, just planning to have a little snack an hour before, half an hour before. The other, thing that, the other thing that's important for me is coffee. Yeah. I do like, I do like to run caffeinated. <laughs> yeah. So, and do you actually do buy a coffee or do you do some like gel thing or? 
Uh, I probably do it by coffee uh, this time. I have used gels in the past. They work okay as well. Yeah. yeah. But um, I don't have any at the moment, so yeah. I'll just take some coffee in the flask. Yeah, don't need to overcomplicate it. Um, mm. in that, well, it's actually interesting. It's an afternoon event, isn't it? The Cartmel 18K. Yeah. So, um, uh, I'm not quite sure. I have thought that through yet, how that'll all work out. Think about mm. it. Um, so I know often there's a drama with parking and the like, isn't there? These events and working out all that side of things. So it's just getting... suppose, given given that it's one pm, probably need to think a bit more carefully about that because usually if you just get there early enough, yeah, yeah, but because yeah. all the other there's other events happening earlier in the day, isn't there? So yeah, yeah. so there's lots of logistics. I said no, I don't do any preparation, but you're right. It's just things like what times do they start? What do you need to do? What do you need to bring? Yeah, that's why I do like. I do like running better than cycling because there's more things to remember for cycling. Oh, and triathlon's just epically unpleasant. Oh, that's why I get, that's why I gave up on triathlons. It's more anxiety provoking getting ready for it than doing the actual race. Oh, yeah. And then there's just you know you're probably one of these lunatics that then pra- started doing stuff like practicing your transition. That's right. When, <laughs> when one of my friends started doing that, it was like I'm not going to do yeah, this anymore. You've lost the plot, mate. Yeah. <laughs> that's not for me Uh, lots of people get a buzz out of it but um yeah it's not my particular i haven't done one for a while but that's partly swimming related but partly uh, there's so much faff with it it is and like with getting your if you're gonna put socks on when your feet are wet it's just pain in the neck yeah it's endless logistics so um (laughs) so uh, we're good to go so that's the kit site any do you do any i I don't think you can probably do any uh, yeah go on i've got i've got something else to say about kit Mm. so um I've got my regular running shoes, which are sketches, and then I've got... Um, sketches? Are you sure they're not a fashion shoe? These, <laughs> their running shoes are great. <laughs> but this is my third pair. I'm just about... I think the podcast that goes They're out really on Friday... Yeah, and to be honest, I shouldn't I shouldn't be rude about shoes because there's not a shred of evidence any of them make any difference to um, injury prevention anyway. So you can wear whatever you damn well like on your feet, to some extent. They're really comfy in the anyway, a nice color. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, so I thought, well, they're not off road, yeah, and uh, and it is going to be slippy. And so, and my other, my actual off road shoes are my five fingers. And I thought, well, I haven't been running in them for a long time, so that seems risky. Two hours and a fancy, yeah. a fancy pair of these hokey oni oni. Come <laughs> yeah. across them. Yeah, so no, but I, there's yeah, the hokers. Well, the hoko is are they hokers? Are they? Yeah, yeah. I'm not having the oni oni bit. Well, they say one one, don't they? Ah, oh, I see. But it's, that's not how you say it. it's oni oni. Ah, uh, oh, I see. You got to get with it. <laughs> yeah, sorry, I could have need subtitles. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I thought, yeah, I'll get a pair of them. And when you watch the video, you know it's come from trail running, the blah blah blah. So I thought, right, okay, and they were. They're on cheap at sportshoes.com. So, yeah. And have you, so have you done the deed? Yes, I bought them. Yeah, yeah. And I uh, thought, I oh, think it's going to be so soft and comfortable. You know, they've got the, all this thing about how great they are. I put them on, felt like planks on my feet compared <laughs> to the sketches. Yeah. And then I went running around the university expecting marvelous grip. Well, getting to the university is along the roads and they were really slipping on the roads because they're quite, yeah. quite hard. Yeah. Um, buttons on them. And then I got to the uni running round and then, the, you know, the bit that sort of runs up into the foresty bit mm-hmm. and it's quite a steep bank, which was really slippy and muddy. And these didn't grip in at all. So I was a bit, really quite disappointed. <laughs> but um, I'm, sticking, 
We're sticking with them. Yeah. So my advice for um, kit, I suppose, the most important thing I would say is don't use untested bits of kit <laughs> on your race. This, this doesn't yeah, well, qual- I've got a couple of weeks before. Yeah, this doesn't so. qualify as untested. You've obviously got them a few oh. weeks in advance. But a lot of yeah. people will do that, will turn up with a new bit of kit. And sometimes desperation is such, you know, if something breaks, there's nothing you can do. But ideally yeah. for any race, you want to turn up wearing stuff on your feet, on your body. It's kit, you know how it works and you're not going to get any nasty surprises, eh? Yeah. Um, trail running shoes. I have got some, just while we're doing that, I, I've got Salomon Speedcross. It's mm. my chosen trail shoe. And they're quite heavy. I actually get the Gore-Tex ones and I wait for sales to come up through the year. And I've usually got two pairs on the go. So I buy a pair, which until they've done about four or 500 kilometers, then I get another pair. And then I've got a pair that I can kind of use for trails. And sometimes when there's a bit of road, like down at the uni. So I don't worry then about the grip getting, because they get worn down so quickly once you get onto tarmac. And mm-hmm. when you're on the fell, you want as much grip as they can give you. Um, and so then I've always got a really kind of newish pair for going out in the fells and a slightly more well-worn pair for going out general running roads, trail, when I'm out and about. And I will have actually just, I just run on the roads on them sometimes. They're their trail shoes. And I find that they're, the Gore-Tex has transformed my life in terms of going out in the fell because I used to come back with feet that I couldn't feel. Um, yeah, it's so these ones, these ones aren't uh, waterproof at all. I think for oh. a couple of hours, it's not. It's just because it's a regular yeah, thing. Yeah. I think it's not going to make any. That doesn't make any odds. And actually, I've got a pair of Innovates as well, which mm, are very light, which I've had for years, um, and they're very lightweight, not waterproof. And I might actually wear them for the race. I haven't quite decided um, mm. about that. So. Um, yeah, it's just about getting it right, isn't it? But I have to say the speed crosses and the innovates were there. You know, you just feel like you can go up vertical walls of grass on them. They've got amazing mm-hmm. grip. So cool. yeah, no complaints in that regard. Um, so uh, yeah, I'll have to check if there's any mandatory kit requirements like cagoules and full, I mean, like big fell races, you have to have full body cover and ha- spare hat and gloves and a bivy bag and all sorts of shenanigans. I don't I think I've seen anything like that. Was there nothing on the, yeah, I have to check the joining instructions. There may be nothing like that because it's relatively low level and well marshaled. So, yeah, so let's talk. So the next thing is, let's talk about race strategy. <laughs> what you're, which is in, in many ways, and first thing I should say is put my hand up and say, my race strategy is mostly to get around and not for it to be an unpleasant experience. So that's yeah. my race, and that's my doing, race goal. <laughs> yeah, we're doing the, we're doing the challenge. Yes. So we're not doing the race. We've got plenty of time to do it. And uh, my race strategy, the one that's, I've only got a strategy for the beginning of it because it starts with a long climb. Mm. And then it's sort of undulating and then it's downhill. So I'm thinking the climb, I might just walk it. Mm-hmm. So that's my only strategy. <laughs> yeah. I think so. I reckon there's an overall strategy that works for any 5K, 10K, half marathon, whatever you're doing. You want to go the negative split, don't you? That's kind of, that's what, that's the golden. That if, uh, For me, for as a recreational runner, actually negative split seems like the best way to not have a bad time on a race. Mm-hmm. So that's where yeah. you run the first half slower than you run the second half. So the second yeah. half, you're going quicker and you don't. So rather than that going out, as you were talking about earlier, you go out like a rocket and then you blow up. You feel like death warmed over. That's when you're more likely to right. pile in yeah. and you you really yeah. have a very miserable last half or last third, last portion of yeah. the race. So you try and finish strong, finish fast. But the only way you can do that is by reining it in at the start, which is hard, isn't it? Because that's when the adrenaline is really yeah, pumping you're, and you're all, and, you're up for it. And everybody's rushing off. And you think, oh well, I, I better better keep up with them. It's the terrible social social anxiety around running in a race, isn't it? That I'm getting. Mm. I'm, you know, and there's somebody. There's usually some, you know, there's somebody goes past who you think looks like they shouldn't be able to run, 
because they've got some kind of <laughs> they've got some they, their gait looks so unusual it looks like they shouldn't be able to go 100 yards without falling over but they're genuinely tearing you apart and that's what happens to me normally. They are ripping me yeah. up. It might look ungainly. And it's funny how gates vary. They might look yeah. really awkward, but my God, they're shifting. And they're, well, they're certainly shifting in comparison to me. And I find yeah. it's very, I find it, you know, and I'm not that competitive, I don't think. I, so I no, I've never been that good at, you know, achieving high level in sport or anything like that. But it's very hard to not just, just go a little bit harder than you want to. Mm. And it's difficult to gauge, isn't it? You sort of think, well, am I working hard enough? Yeah. And, that, and, it, and it's only really when you stop or tr- or the thing when I, when I notice it cycling is I think, oh, you know, I should be working a bit harder. And then I try and have a drink. Like, <laughs> I've got enough breath to have a drink. And I think, oh, no, I am working quite hard. Yeah, that's funny. Cycling is funny. Like, that's a bit of a clue, isn't it? You try to eat something and you suddenly just say you can't chew. You can't just in, <laughs> inhaling, inhaling some yeah, right. cereal bar. Um, yeah. do you do you do anything because you're a bit more into the tech side of it than me i'm not gonna have a heart rate and monitor or anything like that do you like do you look at your heart when you do races do you look at your heart rate monitor try and gauge your effort i do so like for a 10k i'll try and keep in well it's a, there's hardly any choice but i try and keep them zone four yeah and if i tip over to five then i'll i'll slow down a bit unless it's only 100 yards to go sort of thing yeah so, yeah yeah, so you can really tell on that. And do you, I suppose the other thing, the advantage of watch is you, you, you know, if you've done a bit of training, you know what your pace should be. Yeah, yeah. I think with something like what we're doing, this this trail run, I'm not. I don't think the pace is going to help. No, that's not going to work for you at all. <laughs> no. Uh, so I'm going, yeah, so I'm going to I'm going to go on heart rate, and I'm probably going to go for that climb being in in zone two, which is just you know aerobic, mm-hmm. and um. And then I can probably go up to higher aerobic, which is zone three for the for the flat run across the top, and then down the down the other side. So I'm not I'm going to try and stay out of zone four because I think that will just kill me. Ah, uh, yeah, I think if you're, I mean, you might find it's hard actually not to be in zone four walking uphill, even walking uphill yeah, quite hard. It might, it might raise up, but you'll yeah. find that actually to avoid being in five, you have to dial it back. I don't yeah. know, I haven't done it, but I think. Yeah. You might struggle to get up the hill and two. <laughs> You'll have to stop. Yeah, I might do. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I won't start. Yeah, I think if it goes into three walking, I think it's more that I'm thinking if I'm in zone two and I'm walking, I don't want to be tempted into going, yeah, yeah. oh, I could go a bit faster then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I think you know, over a couple of hours, you've, you've really got to ease yourself in, haven't you? And I know that you, you mm-hmm. said it's the third, you've not run that far before. Is that right? So I have done a half marathon. Okay. Mar- so that's twenty-two. That's, yeah, twenty-one. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, you've gone that. You've was, gone that distance. I've done quite a hilly one, but it was on roads. So I did Sheffield half. Okay, it was quite. It was quite a big climb in that. Yeah. So I'm um, my I it isn't I don't regard it as too horrendously far though I'm slightly de- anxious because I do my local runs I've got I think are a lot steeper and I've got are more hilly than this will be, so I keep doing like you know eight or nine or 10 K and it just seems like I'm going up. I'm like, Oh my God, I'm going to be like two and a half hours around this trail run mm-hmm. um, at the speed I'm going here. But it, the Hills make such a difference and it's so hard to gauge on any of, in any given event. And it all depends how they come at you, whether you can, you know, it's very variable. And I think they do put, there's a, there's a purposeful mud pit on the way around. Oh, is that so, nice? I think so. I think I read that somewhere. Oh, that, um, right. I hadn't read that. To be honest, that's, <laughs> So there's a bit of a tough mudder thing going on there. Oh, they can't um, stop themselves. Yeah, so, but I don't know, I don't know how many of it. It might be just one of those for a laugh sort of thing near the end. I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, we'll see how it goes. 
no bother. Um, I've got obviously. I mean, it depends on the weather. Yeah, well, yeah, I think the weather's the, the other thing. The whole thing could be very wet and windy. Mm-hmm. Oh, I mean, I'm not sure wet really matters. As I say, for any runners, it's wind and cyclists, you know, event. It's the wind that's going to make your life really unpleasant. A particularly hard run, massage, foam rolling. Is that your thing? Yeah, foam rolling's my thing. Although I do find it difficult to remember to do it, but when I do do it, it makes a big difference. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Calves, quads, that sort of thing? Yeah, calves, quads, uh, lateral quads, LTB band. ITB yeah. sort of thing. ITB, I mean, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, I don't do that at all. Buttocks. I like doing buttocks. Buttocks. Your glutes. I've just... Um, <laughs> Uh, I've just finished. I think it comes out when it'll come out the week before. It'll be all out already by the time this goes out. Is the interview with Five R Cregan Reed, who wrote footnotes: What makes us, how running makes oh, us yeah. human, and also primate change. We talk about buttocks a bit and glutes. Glutes are the uh, <laughs> glutes have been bullied by a kind of um, modern life because you don't. Of course, the whole thing was that we used to squat a lot. People, you know, until mm. a couple of hundred years ago, we didn't. Have, people didn't have chairs. You know, mm-hmm. there were kind of a, like a very almost regal kind of rank before you got a chair and a throne. Until before then, people just squatted. And of course, that mm-hmm. was really good for your bucket, buttocks and your flexibility and your ankles and lots of things. And nowadays, all we use our glutes for is sitting on. Um, and mm-hmm. so a lot of people get into difficulties, don't they? Because their glutes aren't really quite, as the physios would say, your glutes aren't firing. Glutes aren't really involved and important muscle to look after. <laughs> Massaging yeah. and it's a difficult one to look after. I mean, I've been trying to do, try, again, trying to remember to do some sort of Pilates clamshells after a run. What uh, do, just how, to, yeah, how do or they? Before a run. What are they like? Do you just, you just, do you just, so you just lie on your side with uh-huh. your, your knees um, together? Yeah. And then you just raise one knee. So it's like a clam opening. Okay. Yeah. Right. And then you could do it with your feet in the air. So then, then clam opening with your feet in the air. Right. Mm. And um, yeah, I'm not coming. I'm not. I'm not seeing that one. And that's particularly something. Yeah, lower back, buttock, all those sort of areas get a. Yeah, and it was it. It's quite difficult to do because buttocks are underdeveloped or not underdeveloped, but lost development. So it's quite difficult to do. But what's even more difficult to do is to do it slowly and smoothly. You find that they're just jerking about. You know. Uh huh. Oh, interesting. It, it, that's an interesting thing glutes that's that whole thing is you're basically it's funny we spend all day sitting down and then we expect them to fire like crazy and do everything we want them to do when we turn up for an hour run or a couple of hours and um yeah. it's just not going to happen at all is it um i'm hoping i we i've doing i've obviously been doing my weight this past yes. few months and squats and those sort of compound exercises so i'm wondering if yeah, i'm in a slightly better position with that i nearly I nearly, I hadn't mentioned this. I, yeah, I nearly, I nearly tore my calf muscle again <laughs> a couple of weeks ago. Um, and running in the squats? In, no, no, I was running oh, on definitely. a road in London and I'm just an idiot. And I was only, I can only blame myself. I was being, I just, yeah, I was running around Regent's Park and I couldn't stop myself racing people. <laughs> I'd see them, I could see them in front and I'd have to hunt them down. And then I, in the end, I was only out for half an hour. And at the end, I was running back over Euston Road and I did a sprint to avoid getting mown down by a taxi. And I got to the other side and I was like, oh my God, I think my calf just pinged. And it didn't quite go completely. And I was just, it was just at the time of the um, Sufferfest, Sufferlandria. So I spent all week on a bicycle and it seems to have calmed down. But it just goes to show, that's my golden rule as well, is don't get injured. I mean, don't get injured through your own damn stupidity. And I nearly did it again. Um, <laughs> I think it was quite good for, I, my calves 
about for tightening up. And um, whenever I do feel them tightening up a little bit, again, the foam ruler, but also just doing, stand, you know, just 10 standing on my tiptoes, mm. you know, up and down, maybe on the yeah, steps, yeah. you're getting a bit of a stretch and it seems to make a big difference. Yeah. I think that um, in terms of long-term injury prevention for Achilles, that was something Peter Francis talk, talked about as well, that mm. um, calf raises are yeah, amazing. Calf raises. Yeah, just amazing. Yeah. I've been do- I've added some standing calf raises to my weight training, actually. Um, yeah. But I'm I'm not on a box, which I could really do with being doing, I think, just to um, lower my heel a little so you get that extra stretch. Yeah. That's really cool. Thanks. So we'll, um, we need to, we'll talk more about logistics, but then we'll report back about how we got on um, yeah. in just a few weeks' time. Okay, well, thanks for listening. You can find the full show notes at www.blokeology.io. You can also sign up for the newsletter, the Journal of Blokeology at www.blokeology.io forward slash journal. Sign up and I'll make sure that I send you the Healthy Bloke Action Plan. It would be enormously helpful if you've enjoyed the show, if you've got anything out of it, if you could pop over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review or just leave a rating that would be incredibly helpful and any feedback is very welcome and so you can leave comments send email or make contact via twitter facebook and the usual social media channels all of which can be found at blokeology.io thanks again mm-hmm.